Welcome to our podcast, What's Going On in the Zeitgeist. I'm one of your three hosts, Alex. I'm Matt. I'm Quab. And we're three friends who decided to start a podcast together. I'm sure you're dying to know how we know each other. Quab. We went to high school together. We all grew up in Queens. Um, we lived together in our early 20s. And we just... And now we're here. Yeah. We decided we wanted to broadcast the things we usually talk about, except to the lucky few who are watching. <laughs> yeah, so we grew up in high school, right? What did you learn from high school, Matt? What did you learn from high school? All right, so kind of discussing this earlier, or pretty recently, rather, and I was really thinking about it, and I don't know if I really learned that much in high school, if I'm being honest. I think there were... Some things, uh, I don't think that many, too many of my teachers were really capturing my uh, attention span and knew how to keep the class engaged. I think I got lost in that. And it kind of uh, followed me into college, but uh, what, know, what, that's what, day. what do you think the alternative would be, though? Like, I, I, I understand, I feel like, like we do have a super rigid rigid way that we, you know, ha- have school structured, but I feel like, what's the alternative? Do we just, like, not have high school? Do we, like, I'm not sure what the alternative is. I think, I didn't, I don't know if I learned that much from high school, like, in terms of, like, the classes that I had and the teachers that I had. I think I probably learned something, but I didn't <laughs> think that, like, the structure was important, you know what I mean? Like, having guidance counselors, having, like, a college now, like, we, in our school, like, fortunately, I know a lot of high schools, they don't have, like, a college now office, but we had a college now and they like help you apply to colleges and stuff like that. I felt like the structure was important and you were held accountable. And when I left high school, I felt like I didn't have that structure, so I was, I kind of had to like figure it out to myself, uh, mm-hmm. figure it out myself. But um, so are you saying you kind of felt a little bit lost after high school? Yeah, or like, like I'm during... saying, well, well, I'm saying that like I feel like if I didn't learn anything in terms of like academically, I feel like the structure at least was like was like pivotal into like my you know, how I developed later as a human being, as, as an adult, you know what I mean? I feel like, just like you have to wake up early, you have these assignments, um, you're held accountable. If you don't do these things, you're not going to um, be able to graduate. And I just feel like just being held, like you, you're being held accountable as a young adult, It's it was like pivotal to like how I grew up. And like, you know, you have work and your, your boss gives you assignments and, and that type of thing. I feel like if you didn't even take anything academically, at least you took in like the structure that was important and... Um, certain things like that. I think some of the structure was a little bit unnecessary, though. Mm-hmm. You know, like having gym class at 7 in the morning made... I mean, I don't know what that does for me structure-wise. You know, uh-huh. I, have to get, I remember having gym first period. I would have to get up in the morning at 6 o'clock. I would have to get dressed, <laughs> go, to cl- go to school, get undressed, get into gym clothes, walk around the track mm-hmm. at the crack of dawn for four, four laps, and then start my day sweaty, mm-hmm. right? It, it didn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, then we're into any showers at our... Uh, but the thing yeah. is, that we also had 4,000 kids. It's yeah, like they, yeah. They, they couldn't precisely be like, okay, like, like for me, I had first period classes, but I lived in, like, all the way in Jamaica, Queens, so it was, like, an hour and 20 minutes away from Cardozo, which is a Bayside, Queens. I don't know if you guys know what Bayside is. I run to, to Jamaica, but it's a pretty far distance, so I had to take two buses, and... How long does that commute? Just it, was like, it was, like, an hour and 20 minutes, so it's, like, I had first period, which is, at seven a.m. in the morning so i had to wake up at like 5 a.m you know leave my house at like 6 a.m maybe five maybe like 5 50 5 30 probably to make, make sure i catch the bus on time 
Um, so I feel like they, they couldn't precisely get your schedule down at, like 100% accurate to like what be, what would best suit you. Mm-hmm. But I feel like um, I just feel like I mean we have is that like even now like think about like we go to the gym nowadays right mm-hmm. like as adults we go to the gym it's like we understand how important physical education is to our body and fitness yeah. is is to us as human beings. So I feel like at least we could have taken that away. Like maybe yeah. it wasn't optimal for you to have gym for a period, <laughs> but like well, you, you, you had gym every what, day, five days a week. And that was what, what you said is kind of interesting though, because you said you can't wait for five in the morning. I mean, like as a fourteen-year-old or fifteen-year-old mm-hmm. going to school in the morning like that, it sounds like you were doing more in the morning than like eighty percent of Americans. Imagine now, if someone told me like right now that <laughs> at twenty-seven I had to get up at five thirty in the morning you know, get ready for school, you know, brush my teeth and stuff, and, like, you know, get on a bus, go to school, and all do what, this is a busy day, right, right, it's right? a busy day, mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, kind of going off of that, that's, that, isn't that, like, something that's kind of being, um, not pushed, but recommended for a so-called productive day, like, what, waking up at 4 or 5 a.m., mm-hmm. starting your day early, and kind of going from there, so you're kind of, like, just ready to keep going. Yeah, it, it tries it, to it, emulate, like, the real work life. That's what school tries to do, or it tries at least, right? I, Theoretically. I, but I feel like for, like, young kids who are, like, super impressionable, um, don't really understand society at large, it's good for them to have that structure and have that routine um, of waking up, having, you know, going to school, having these obligations, and, you know, you know, having assignments, having homework, and then going back home and, you know, making sure that you take care of these things. Like, this is, like, it, it is applicable to, like, real life and actual life as an adult. Like, you go to work, you know, you have a, your boss gives you assignments, and if you don't, these things are fired. You know what I mean? You're ready for the never-ending ride. <laughs> so it's, like, it, it does, it does you know, go into that, like, thing of, I don't know, I just feel like I don't know what the exact alternative would be if we didn't have that. I do think there is a way we could, like, better structure it to fit like certain people's needs who are like certain people are like really good with having like some people need like one-on-one instruction and some people are okay with learning like one teacher to 30 ch- kids and I'm, i feel like i'm okay with like what learning like one to 30 i feel like if you give me my assignments and i have a pretty good teacher who can like uh, explain and, and uh, i can see them after hours like i feel like i can learn in that way but some people need one-on-one instruction some people right, need right, those right. extra hours and i feel like if like we can better adapt our system to like fit people who do who are the outliers who don't fit into like you know what we have nowadays but i do think um i don't know i, I think it does cap i do i do think it's it's a set it's essential to a, a lot of like how i do think it's essential yeah, yeah. so what do you think it's essential because of the structure it provides or i think it's essential why? because of the That's structure but also i do think we maybe if we don't understand maybe if we don't know exactly what we learn um, we do, we did learn things. We did learn how to write papers. Like we did, we sure. all went to college, like we all graduated from college. Like we all learned how to write papers, maybe not at a, at a, at a college level, but we did have like those, that, that, the prerequisites to be able to write like a college yeah. paper. And also it's like, yeah, I just, I just feel like it prepped us in maybe ways that we don't exactly, can exactly recall, but it was, it was, it was like the, the, the foundation to like, how we are now as adults, and it did provide us like some skills, and if, of course it can be better tweaked. But I do, I don't, I like my thing is I know it's a kind of a cop out answer, but like I don't know what the alternative exactly would be. And, and as you said, you know, like what's the alternative, right? Because mm-hmm. 
in theory, you know, a perfect world where every adult has the ability to teach a child right. or teach someone who's growing up, you know, math and all these other subjects, then everyone would just get one-on-one -on -one teaching, uh -huh. right? And then they would, because one-on-one teaching is arguably the best, right? right, right. This person's there for you. They're there for your needs. If you have a question about something, it's like, hey, man, I'm listening. What's going on? How, do you know how to, the Pythagorean theorem? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, if you don't know it, we'll, we'll explain it. And so, like, I think in school, like, there are, like, realistic, like, sacrifices to be made, especially in public, a public school in Queens, Cardozo. I mean, we had, like, I remember looking at a list after, after we graduated, and we were, like, in, like, the top, I don't want to make up numbers here, but I know it was definitely in the top, like, 15 or so most populated schools in America. So, um, for anyone that doesn't know, Benjamin Cardozo High School is a school that's designed to hold about, let's say, 2,700 students. We have more than 4,000. And it is, was, probably still is, one of the most populated, overpopulated schools, public school, public high schools in New York City. Like you, 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 you're body to body going to class. Classes you know? of 30 plus are were very, very common. So my, my question to you guys, you, did you feel like you get, got some value from high school? I, I definitely think so. I mean, it's it's hard to say. I think socially, yes. Mm -hmm. I think that right. there's a whole social component to going to school, which is why, you know, I think that that's one thing that's being lost in translation today, you know, with remote remote and we'll get into that right but with all that kind of stuff you really learn to interact with people because in the real world you don't interact with people you like all the time you don't interact with people you don't like you don't interact with people you know right. you know there's in certain situations you'll be in proximity with people you don't even know right and how yeah. do you manage that how do you how do you have a conversation with somebody like who just starts to come up to you how do you manage someone who's being addicted to you right. right like how do you manage these things like and i think that's kind of what i learned and, you know of course like listen like what did i learn like you know, build friendships, right? I mean, that's my experience, though. Not everyone has an experience. Do you feel like you learned anything academically? Academically, I think so. I mean, I think naturally, if you're doing something over and over, even if you're not, it's not something you want to do. At the very least, do osmosis. You'll learn through osmosis. Like, like if, like, for example, let's say you hate chess, but right. for some reason I paid you $100 to go to a chess uh, tournament or, mm -hmm. like, a chess class every day for the next two years. Right. I give you $100 each time. You would go, and you'd be mm -hmm. damn good at chess, yeah. even if you didn't really, like, love want it, it or yeah. love it. It's just how we work. Mm -hmm. you know? That's fair. That's fair. I don't know. I, to me, it's kind of um, kind of focusing on the idea of, like, the structure of it. And, yes, the structure of public school and high school, it kind of makes sense. But really, at least to me, it kind of felt... And feels like that it was really just preparing us for to go into high, to go into college, to go into the workforce. It does. We weren't taught any actual uh, applicable like life skills. I yeah. guess. Yes, we learned how to socialize, but that's us. But like, not everyone did. My my thing is like people are like oh like I'm not using Pythagorean theorem or like these like crazy like you know you know math equations to like they're not applicable to my life but i feel like it it, it gives you critical thinking skills yeah, like sure. it, it gives you problem solving skills like th yeah you might not be able to like you know the y x plus whatever the fuck you might not be able to solve for whatever <laughs> solve for x or whatever or y what's the slope of the yeah, y, 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 y makes plus b but like <laughs> it, it gave you like critical thinking skills like in ways that you just 
might not even exactly understand. And my thing is like, I don't know why I keep saying this, but like, what is the alternative anarchy? Do we just like, do your parents just like let you, do kids just like roam free and run around, like just like figure out things on their own? Like, I do think there is value to public, to education, public education. Um, and of course it could be tweaked in a better way, but I, I don't know exactly what the alternative is. Well, I feel like kind of if we're going to talk about some type of like alternative, I don't think, I think since we're kind of honing in, I think we all kind of agree that the structure of it makes sense. Right. I think we could all agree about that, right? Mm -hmm. And again, kind of going into the fact, talking about tweaking, yes, it could 100% be tweaked. And um, the fact that there were 30 plus students in a class, you know, that right there could be something maybe the school shouldn't be having that many people mm -hmm. um that's just one thing right there and i mean you know new york city is a extremely overpopulated city in the entire nation the entire world really right. right um so it's understandable that there are going to be a lot of people in a specific uh area right yeah um but i mean also, if we really just look at the academics from and the classes from the school itself, some of them, I think, you can argue, are could have been beneficial, and some just didn't make any yeah, sense. Yeah, I, I do think Cardozo specifically failed us in a way academically, um, and New York City public schools do fail children academically. Like, I was reading an article like the other day. It was like forty percent, forty-seven percent of students aren't at math proficiency, aren't at ELA proficiency, um, and, and that's like a trend across America. So it's like I do think that like there is ways, there, there are ways that we can better, uh, you know, there, there are ways that the, the school system can like better serve the, serve kids. But I don't know if kids just not. I don't. I don't know what the exact. I know. Yeah. You know, I hate to blame the teachers, because there's good teachers. Mm -hmm. There's teachers who care, there's teachers who are, know what they're doing, there's teachers who really want to succeed. But when I was in high school, to be honest, I was too busy, you know, playing RuneScape. And so I couldn't, I didn't really do well in, in high school, especially in the beginning. And like, even as a 14 or 15 year old, it's painfully, I, I was a well-behaved kid, you know, I wasn't giving anyone problems. It's so easy to see uh, certain teachers, and I won't name any names, obviously, but it's so easy certain teachers who like, Either they just didn't want to be there, or they're just jaded, or they're just tired of it, right? And listen, like, you know, kids get no, it, you got to respect the teachers, right? There's no excuse for that. Um, but listen, you know, we got we also got to look at, you know, who, who are we hiring, right? I mean, we have teachers sitting in there right now who are just collecting checks after 46 years of teaching algebra too. Yeah, I mean, the, the teacher union is definitely not, the teacher union protects all teachers, you know, the teachers who are like, are getting in trouble for like you know assaulting kids or having relationships relations with kids and they just like are still a part of the teacher union they just send them to like an office yeah. in New York and Manhattan and just have to sit yeah. there forever for the rest of their <laughs> they get tenure you know what I mean it's like just jump around you know it's like it's like there are benefits to unions and I'm not anti union but like they do protect the teachers and we do have like yeah. th like remember Miss Doyle like <laughs> like, like she was like. Everybody, if you had Ms. Doyle, you knew you were, like, I don't think anybody could fail Ms. Doyle if you even tried. Like, you just couldn't <laughs> fail class even if you tried. Like, it was impossible. So I do think there are, there are, you know, delinquent teachers, but um, I, I, I don't know. I, I, my, my experience at Cardozo, I would say overall, 
it was probably it was probably a good experience for me because my zone school was a terrible school. Like we had metal detectors going in. Like I maybe like within the first week, my sister was actually went to our zone high school. What was the zone high school? It was Andrew Jackson, uh, Cambria Heights. And somebody got shot in the head right on the corner of the high school, like within the, like my freshman year. Really? Um, so that was the high school I was going to go to. Like you had battle detectors every day before you had to go into it. Like, the, like the psychological effect that that would have on you as a as a child. You know what I mean? And not even, I mean, you know, you could argue that those those battle detectors were there for a reason because mm-hmm. people had guns, people had yeah. weapons. You know what I mean? So it's like to even be in that environment, and then you have teachers that in that. Can you imagine the teachers that would be teaching at the school? They would be dejected, probably. Yeah. They would be be so callous, probably yeah. just showing up for the paycheck, probably don't even care about actually teaching the kids. So it's like. There isn't there is a a fundamental issue that we do have with the, with the school system and it, and it can definitely be tweaked to be better but I do think that like just the idea of sending kids to school I do think that's important for kids and I mean that that, that kind of transitions to like you know the whole movement right now with anti-work and should we have a four-day work week and is that will that be beneficial for people and well we're also seeing major major companies that are going against that remote work. Right. Like Google, Google just is about is getting ready to send everybody back to office within the next few months. They just like, put a, a new building, yeah, know, somewhere in LA or San Francisco, somewhere. Just put a, a yeah, they just building. yeah, they just bought a new spot, and it's just like they're getting ready for they're they're preparing for office life again. Yeah. Um, and office life, you know, it, it's for some people for sure. Um, but how does that work with this now? I mean, there's multitude of people that have been working solely from home, from, you know, their desk, you know, who knows if it's at, in their bed or not, yeah. um, for more than a year now, but going on two years, really, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And so how can you just tell that person, all right, time to go take the train 45 to an hour to the office, yeah, yeah. Twice a day. We're going on two years now. You know, like, yes. I, I just want to make a correction. It was it's, it's in London. They just wanted to build in London. One billion dollars they spent on on the. Whew, you know, what's so funny. Which is also a, just a, a heavy nothing, investment. Yeah. Heavy investment, but it's nothing in yeah. the, <laughs> the alphabet. Uh, you know, uh, long term. Just to tie this into what we were talking about when we first started with what you said. You know, waking up, getting on. If you think about it, the pandemic has really. Uh, kind of mess things up for societies, you know, <laughs> the, the elite, like the corporate world. Because well, think about it, from when you're, from when you're like a kid, it sounds, it sounds uh, negative to say this, because, but it is kind of true, is that they're getting you ready for what you're going to have to do. you got to get up in the morning at the crack of dawn when it's still dark outside, rain or snow, get your ass on the bus, go to work, sit in there, even if you don't have to learn it, you know, for work, the equivalent would be, you know, you're finished with your work and you're still waiting to clock out. And go home. I think the difference now is is that the pandemic has showed people that hey, wait a second, hold on. I don't have to get up at six in the morning when there's two feet of snow outside and, and, and go somewhere in the, in, in the daytime. I can do this from my room. So so why was I? Why am I doing this, right? And so like it's like now it's like it's like the kind of idea. It's like as soon as you are allowed to start using your phone at work, you can't imagine being at work without your phone. It's like just you can't really imagine. Right. And so now there's like that like. There's that alternate thinking where it's like, okay, I'm sitting in this classroom right now. I'm sitting in my office, but four months ago I was more productive from home, and so it's I think it's more unsettling for people, and people are just less willing to tolerate it. Yeah. Uh, we're in an 
a humongous cultural shift right now. Um, you know, the, we could think back to like the like early 20th century, like when when you know the industrial period, when people were like leaving the farms and fluctuating to the city in mass, and like people were moving into like off having office jobs. Like, I feel like this is like a similar cultural shift where it's like people are able to like work remotely and like you see like these like smaller cities around the country becoming repopulated and people moving there and people moving out of like these metropolises like LA and San Francisco and New York City to like more remote areas because they 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 can spend more time outside, you know what I mean? Like they don't have to like who who could buy a a home in New York City? Who could buy a home in LA? Like they, there's there's incentive to move out of these metropolises like when we have remote work and like it's not only beneficial for like entry level employees or people like us or like early in their careers, it's also, I think it's also beneficial for managers and, and, and upper level people who, you know, like it, it builds morale. Like people want to stay in these companies. Like, okay, like you're gonna you're gonna pay me to be remote. I'm gonna I want to stay with you. Like this other company, like they're gonna pay me 10k more, 20k more. But like it's more beneficial for me as a human being to take less money to be remote, have more time with my family, mm-hmm. more time with my kids, more time with my wife or your significant other or whatever. So I feel like there is incentive. It's not only incentive for like it's not it's not only good for like you know just you know the the, the regular worker it's also good for like people at the top yeah. to have like like i feel like like people want to hold on to that like oh showing up you know button up suit and you know collar and and, and, and tie and everything like that and it's like there are there are those people that want to keep the norm but i feel like there are people in the upper who realize that this does build morale and maybe our life shouldn't be centered around our job our nine to five maybe we shouldn't take so much of our value from like from our day job, maybe like we could, you could, you can like you're you're super into music. You make like you make you make music on the side. Like I'm sure you've been able to do that a lot more because like you work from home. Like it's interesting because I worked without saying too much, but I worked in an office setting for a year and a half prior to COVID. Right. And it's an interesting because I had no perception that there was any other possibility. Mm-hmm. I used to work in Harlem, so I would get up in the morning, I would go to Harlem. How long was that commute? Hour, one hour. Mm-hmm. It, I mean. The community is not that bad. So I live in, you know, I live in Bushwick right now. So right. the train's right there. It was kind of like to get up, get on the train, and sit there for an hour. Yeah. Right. It wasn't, still... the, it, it wasn't the worst. But by the time I get there, I'm already tired. Mm-hmm. Right. The commute is exhausting, and, and it's in the back of your mind. Like, okay, even after I'm done with work, I got to commute home. Right. And so, you know, but like I'm realizing that I was more okay with it. Right. And so now I've switched. Right. And so now I work remote, full time remote. But I have the option to go in when I'd like. Right. And so, you know, just for variety's sake and just because I want to, you know, at least I want to know the people that I'm there. You know, right. it's just never a bad thing to meet people or to see people. And the social element is important. Yeah, you know, like you want to switch it up, right? Uh, but you know what's, what's interesting now that I've found is that my downtime now, my perception of my downtime at work is so different. Right. It's because wait, the thinking is like, wait a second. So I've done what I have to do. I've done the work. I don't have any more work to do until... Two hours from now, right? This is me sitting there, what like looking for things to do. And listen, listen, there's always things to do, but but now it's a different kind of dynamic where it's like I can still do my work, and if I have a break between one thirty and three, I can go for a run. Yeah. Right. I can uh, go down the block and get a pizza and come back. But the thing is, like, why is that a ter- like? There's a pushback against that. It's like, why is that a terrible thing? It's like. I personally think there are sometimes there, you do hit a limit where it's like there are no things left to do. And you're just sitting at your desk and you're acting like you have your Excel sheet open. Or yeah. Like you have your podcast thing in the background, but you have to look busy. Like everybody was doing that. It was a, it was a performance. 
everybody was in like pre pre COVID pre pandemic like everybody was in offices. It's like maybe you're working actually twenty hours a week, and then like the rest of the next twenty hours are just it's just, just a performance. You're, you're you're chatting up your coworkers, you're sitting on your desk listening to whatever, reading whatever. It's like it was a whole performance that, that we were putting on. I don't understand like why. Like we are, you you still have value if you're do, getting what you need to get done. If you're getting your work done, you still have values of your company. You're still, you know, you're hitting the profit. The company's still hitting the profit margin. You're still, like, I don't understand why it's a bad thing for the workers to be like, okay, you know, I'm going to take a longer lunch break today. I'm going to go running and go to the gym on my work. You know, it's like, even even if your boss, and that's the thing with remote work now, it's like, nobody really is saying I'm doing these things during work hours, but everybody knows Jessica's doing yoga at 3 p.m. That's why she has that time blocked on. Everybody knows. Like, she goes to lunch now. <laughs> like, everybody knows. She's Tuesdays and Thursdays at 3 p.m. Jessica's gone. Uh, okay. she's, she's got her co-workers she's on minutes. She's, <laughs> hiding her, she's hiding her stories from her co-workers <laughs> at 4 p.m. and then unhides them at 5. <laughs> right? Come on. We know what's going on. Like, but what, like, the thing is, is that, like, what you said, what is the issue? Um, I don't know. You know, I think I think it's just such a new thing. I think yeah. the thinking is that if I don't see you working and you are not in this building, I'm going to assume you're not. And imagine if you're, the thing is like, imagine from the CEO perspective, mm-hmm. and you they, you have so much at stake in this company, and you're paying these people salaries, and you do want to see these people showing up. You do want to know that they're being productive, and maybe you think they could be more productive in the office. Maybe you think you could make them even more money, right? So it's like. I do kind of understand it from like the upper management perspective or the CEO perspective. It's like you do want to be able to maximize your talent or the people that you have, but at the same time, it's like if you're already hitting these numbers, like how much more can you get out of this person without just completely burning out of it? Like there has to be like a human component. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like at that point, like the, like the morale is super low. Like I think about all these big companies, like the, the morale is like Amazon. Like the morale is super low. Like nobody wants to, nobody wants to work for. If you're working in a warehouse in Amazon, nobody really wants to work in a warehouse in Amazon. You're doing that because you need to make a living. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like those jobs haven't gone remote yet. It's like, but like for our jobs, thankfully, you know, for most people's jobs, like a lot of people's jobs, maybe like 40, 30 percent of jobs, like they are, we do have the ability to go remote. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like. Maybe one day people will be able to operate a hologram from home and be a cashier at 7-Eleven. I, yeah, my, my thing is, I think... <laughs> With uh, the Oculus on and you're controlling like a hologram. You're controlling the robot that I, th- I think we're going to get to a point where we don't... Where we don't draw that as much value as people have in the past from their work and their day jobs. Yeah. I think we're going to get to a point... I think that's, I think that's good because, like, you know some people... You know, some people get... They have it. They get an ego. You know, they're they're you know they have these certain job titles and they get an ego from having these titles. And mm. I think I don't know if that's I don't know what that means. Like you're not necessarily better than a person because like you've done eight years of yeah. of schooling and you have your doctorate. You have a doctorate or you have a PhD or what? You know what I mean? Like you're not better than another human being. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I do think you have value to society. There's no intrinsic value in my. I mean, my opinion. I don't know if working has an intrinsic value. Yeah. I think it could have benefits mm-hmm. to you and other people, right? But I think if you can think about it, if someone says, you know, you know, tell me about yourself, like, what do you do? Or, or you know, what, you know, tell me about you. Yeah. Oh, uh, I'm an accountant, right? And it's like, I think that for a long time, we're primed for whatever it is we end up doing to define us as people. Right. And how we're, how we're successful, or, you know, I'm a nurse, I'm this, and it's like, oh, you know. But to, to tell someone who's, you know, and I don't want to say older, but to tell someone who's, Old, much older, let's say 
55, 60 plus, you know, you know, I'm, I'm working, you know, I'm also doing a little music on the side, you know, I'm, I'm you know, I'm going to go on, a, I got going on trips and like, you need to like, you need to grow up, right. you know, you need to, you need to get focused. And it's just like, okay, so I have to be doing something that I have to want to do in order for me to have any value to society. Listen, the thing is you have to be, or rather American society has trained us from an early age to be productive every single minute that we're awake. Right. And so we have 24 hours in a day, right? Let's say eight hours we're sleeping, you know, that's being generous. Um, and so now we have, <laughs> yeah, I know, some of us have some crazy insomnia. Um, but so now we're talking about 16 hours left, right? right. Now we're talking about another eight to nine hour shift at your job. We're not even counting any commute. So me, I'm working in retail, right? So I have to go into my office every single day. I have to take, uh, unfortunately, my job is an hour away commute. So we're talking about an hour to go, an hour to come back. That's taking away two hours from my 16 that I have left. So now we're talking about 14 hours. Now I'm just at the job for another eight to nine. And let's say I'm using half of that and I'm actually, you know, communicating with people, selling, stuff like that, you know? Sure, five hours. The rest of the couple other hours, especially right now, from Jan- from January to March, retail is dead, no matter where you're working. Right. So during this time, you're basically just standing around. Can you find something productive to do? Maybe, mm-hmm. sure. There's certainly like some fun shirt that's but, pretty cool. But one, you're really you gotta search for it, you gotta look for it. It might not even be technically in your job description. Right. Yeah. I'm talking from perspective of someone that has to go into work and can't has to go into the office, uh, quote unquote, every single day, doesn't have the option to be remote and work from home. Um so sucks. And so what are some different types of situations, like, how can we kind of go around that? To me, the first option is bringing it down to, I, I've noticed all over this time so far, I'm able to be the most productive over working four days. Right. I can work four days straight. I'm not saying on the fifth day, I'm like, I, I can't be productive or I'm not productive. I think I'm the most productive working four days and less, essentially, you know. Um, once I get to that fifth day, it's adding on extra and can be physically taxing. Mm-hmm. Over a long period of time, especially during busy times during the retail industry season. So, I mean, anyone could guess it's always holidays, you know, major holidays pretty much, right? Um, I've experienced burnout multiple times. I just experienced burnout really this past, you know, past holiday season. Mm-hmm. And that affected me quite a bit. And I noticed that it was basically always after having to work, you know, five days straight and having to communicate with people 
multiple people, many people, multiple times a day. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like, for me, it's a significant mental exhaustion sometimes. Right. Like, you work in sales, you're definitely, yeah. the majority of the time when you're working, you're, you're interacting with human beings. Yeah, so, I'm not saying I don't know how to talk to people, I don't like talking to people, but it adds up, it gets tiring, it's exhausting, and that all just straight up leads to burnout. Right. Um, which no one ever wants to have, really. Yeah. And that's, if, if you really look into it, that's, um, the retail industry suffers from this all the time, and that's why there's such a high turnover rate. Um, it's you know probably one of the highest turnover rates in any type of industry ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's really not much that you could do. It's you get burnt out, you you know call out, and that's it. Right. There's For no. Brain, it's, just, it's not taken into account. Yeah. You know, I think that's you know I was thinking that's why you're talking. That would potentially be a pretty good tweak, I think, that employers can make to adapt to this whole, this new anti-work revolution, mm-hmm. if you want to call it, is it would be more work for them, but what if they gave more flexibility? What if full-time didn't necessarily mean 9 to 5? What if it meant, okay, listen, you want to work 12 hours on Monday and, and 4 on Tuesday? Why not, right? I, I don't see I don't see why not, I guess, for some businesses. I mean, maybe there are just things I'm not thinking about, like, mm-hmm. like customers, but... You know, I just don't think there's, there's not enough flexibility. It's like, why can't you? It's like, if if you were getting the, if you were able to do like an experiment and take your five day work week and work four days, but more hours in those four days, do you think you'd be as productive, or as what do you think? If I worked, all right, so let's say let's say you work forty hours in four days rather than five days. What do you think five. would happen between your productivity? Um, working those extra hours. I don't necessarily think I would be more productive. I think I would still have a solid baseline productivity, whether, you know, I'm working. So let's go for the 40-hour, five-day week, right? So we're talking about, like, about eight hours a day. Um, If I still did a 32-hour, four-day week, I would still be that amount of productive. Right. But now we're just adding... I'm, I'm going to be even more productive, really, because I'm going to get an extra day of rest and can jump back into it and can mentally prepare and physically prepare and emotionally prepare, really, yeah. um, because it all kind of like ties in. Um, that five-day, I'm not saying, well, again, I'm not saying I could, I, I'm not unable to do that. It's fine. It's just the most ideal for me is that four days. Right. And that's, you know, that's just something sure. I've noticed. And, you know, some people, yeah. some people can work six, seven days straight. Right. Look at people in, in, in the investment banking industry are working 70, 80 plus hours a week. I mean, they're getting paid fucking the big bucks. They're getting paid six figures. Yeah. Um, but they're also working 70, 80 hours a week. Yeah. And that is... To, straight up to me, I can't even process that. Uh, um, People are wired differently. It's different. Yeah, it's different industries. People have different temperaments. Mm-hmm. It's it's I, 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 it's kind of goes back to the, the school thing where it's like you know different different models of school you know will be better suited to like maximize you know your potential better or my potential better. And the same time that's that also relates to work. It's like 
certain you know models of work to you know maximize your potential better or my potential better um but i do think there is a you know there's there's a lot of gray area where it's like they should be able you know we should be able to like talk with be able to have like a more of like a you know a dialogue with our managers or our bosses or our superiors and be like hey like this this is like my optimal schedule this is like this is like the best for me um and i, th- I think ultimately like if your company your corporation or whatever is still like trying to profit year to date like why does it matter that like you're not you know you're working 35 hours and not 40 hours. you know what i mean like i don't i don't exactly understand like there is a, rig- a rigidity that people do want to stick to um and i mean like hey like we're like barely two years into like this whole new kind of revolution i don't think this is gonna stick and i don't think you're gonna get people to go like you know you're gonna force people like i just can't imagine like everybody just going back to, into the office and just like everybody on the e-train just riding like riding back into the city you know no jobs from i just don't see that happening because i do think there is an actual incentive for the corporations to let let workers be remote you know what mm-hmm. i mean and like not even just like letting people be humans and just like realize that people are humans and that like we shouldn't find all our value from work i just do think that like there is there is a a financial incentive you know it's like there's like you boost morality it's like you're gonna be like Yo, my, my job is letting me work remote. like my job right now like i i i, I kind of think about like you know just certain things seeing the marketplace like, seeing what's out there but it's like the fact that like i they're not forcing me to go out into the workplace is like it's it's a big like it's more like even if i was getting, if i was getting paid like a significant amount more maybe like you know 50 percent like 30 percent more like i don't i don't know that i would take that if i had to go into the office five days a week yeah nine five, i don't i might not i'm not just sure i would mm-hmm. take that job like i i do like the flexibility of being remote so you know i i i do think this is here to stay i do think that we are adapting and things are you know things are going to be tweaked over time but i do think this is kind of like the future yeah. I, I mean, I think that in order, I, I know this is going to be a very pessimistic, uh, cynical outlook, right. but I think yeah. that in order for there to be any kind of change, like, employers, like, it, it, listen, I don't know, the human aspect, I think, is the ethically and morally right aspect to take, right? But unless their backs are against the wall and they need to make a change, they're just not going to, right? And the reason I say that is because the approach of just give them a set schedule, tell them what to do, and if they don't do it, I think the problem is is that they'll find someone right now who will, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, I think in, not 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 to be not to be inflammatory or anything like that, but like t- let's take someone yeah, who inflammatory as you want. To. Well, let's let, let's take <laughs> there's a reason why they don't give you PTO at you know something like the Amazon warehouse, mm-hmm. right, or working at Taco Bell, right? right? There's a reason why. Mm-hmm. The reason why is because they should they have PTO? In my opinion, yes. I think everyone who works full-time should have PTO. But the reason they don't is because they can just find a, a bunch of other people to fill that spot, right? right, right. right? So there's no incentive, really, for them to do it. It, it, it would be a negative to them. Mm-hmm. And a CEO, they're so detached. They're detached from the people at the bottom line, right? Or the people at the middle line, even. Like, they don't, they don't give a they're, shit. Well, they're thinking about yeah, profit margins. They're seeing, the thing is, they're seeing us, and they're seeing the working people and their productivity. They're seeing it as numbers on a computer screen, mm-hmm. right? I'd be surprised if we didn't even have names. We, we, were, we were, like, employee number 63, 
like has you know been late this many times you know what i mean so they're looking at like it's like some kind of video game simulation that they're running you know so in order for, and i could be wrong and there's definitely things i'm not accounting for uh -huh. um but i think that they're not going to do this unless there's literally such a revolution i don't want to say revolution it sounds cringe but like un unless there's so many people that are adopting this new mindset that they have to do something to keep their workforce. I do think there's a big cultural shift. And like, even like we've talked about Google buying this new $1 billion office in London, I don't know if that's, you know, them taking the side of like people going back to the office five days a week, nine to five. I don't know if that's necessarily what, why they bought that. I think that they do want to have this place where people can come in and work. And I don't think they're going to necessarily go out to the nine to five, five days a week. Because like personally, like you were talking about before, I like the social aspect. I like being cool. Like I'm still relatively young. Like I want to meet new people. I want to yeah. interact with people. Go to happy hours, this, that, whatever. I want to have that experience, but I don't want it to be as rigid as it was before. So I think they're making this one billion dollar invest investment, which isn't a huge investment for Google. No, definitely. Um, but it still gives you the option to go into the office and have those interactions. You know, have coffee. You know, have lunch. You know, have your office. I, I, that, that's, I, that's amazing. Yeah. I, 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 do think that's a great experience, but I do, I do think a more of a hybrid, um, ex, a hybrid thing is, is that's gonna be the new wave. I don't think we're gonna, go, I don't think it's gonna be like one extreme or the other, where it's like everybody's a hundred percent remote working from home or everybody's back into the office. I think it's gonna be more of a, a hybrid, more of a mesh type of thing. Uh, and, and I guess you know. Before we transition, I think on a more optimistic note, I also think it's going to take time. I think this is really new. I think for people, it's going to take a lot of time for employers to see with their own eyes that their employees can continue to do work remotely, not having to get up in the morning uh, and take the train. They're gonna, it's going to take some time for them to see that success. Right. Right. I think it's a natural skepticism right now. You know, it, it, it may seem like, oh, this has been going on for a year and a half, two years. But in the grand scheme of things, it's a short amount of time. Yeah, I mean, right? really, we have, what, more than 100 years plus yeah, of yeah. work experience of, you know, that just straight, rigid boss overlooks employee in office, knows what's going on, yeah. and like that. And okay. it's just like, to go for, to take those two, that, two years of the, of, oh, it's sick to work at home, it's awesome to work at home. Um, not have someone over your back and put that against centuries, right? Yeah. Of analysis, really, of, of experience. It's it's hard, definitely, and especially because this is something that's definitely been ingrained. You know, when you get trained as a manager, really, no, doesn't matter what job. You know, it's you're taking experience from the people above you, right? Mm -hmm. So, however they got trained, however they got brought up, is going to somehow leak in a little bit, I, I think, mm -hmm. to you. To your understanding. To your understanding, yeah. exactly. So, we're talking about generations now. Mm -hmm. And so, just having yeah. that, there's a, yeah, like, it's hard to sometimes wrap your head. Yeah, I was reading this, this article from Washington Post the other day, it was talking about how, like, like you... There's actually a lot of studies that have been done, like remote work has actually been more productive for a lot most companies. But the thing that they were saying that they were hitting on is that like people have better ideas, people are more creative in offices. Just like be able to like have that in-person interaction with human beings. It's like 
you're able to riff off of people easier. Like, you can't really riff and have that, like, dynamic conversation, like... Through email? Through email, <laughs> through email from Zoom. Because, like, you're talking, I'm talking over you. Like, only one person can talk at a time. It's like, like having this natural free-flowing conversation in person is like, there's something that you can't necessarily replicate right now through the mediums that we have. Yeah. Um, we, we haven't got to that medium. We haven't, we don't have a medium where it's like, you could talk and I can talk and I'm not talking over you. You know, like, right. we haven't been able to replicate that in-person experience a hundred percent, you know, in, in the metaverse or whatever, you know, <laughs> like what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. So I do think there is, there is, bene- there are benefits to being in person and having those interactions, but you know, like we have, like my think, my thinking is that we're going to have more of a hybrid system. And I do think employers are going to have to, they're going to have to, um, accept that they're going to have to, like, I don't, I don't think like, even like if you think about certain jobs that like are inherently in person, like that you have to be in person, like restaurant jobs, um, warehouse jobs, like, you know, a lot of these jobs are look like they can't hire people right now. Yeah. They they can't find people to do these work, to do these jobs. Um, so I do think that like people don't want to go back to these jobs. People want to find remote work. People want to find more optimal work for them. So I don't think employers are necessarily gonna be able to just be like, yeah, everybody has to come back to the office. I don't think it's gonna be a concerted effort. Um, I do think there are employers that want people to get back to the office and get back in person, but I do think there are employers who do are okay with people being remote. Yeah. Part of it, I think, is also, I mean, it kind of like you just kind of touched upon it. Um, at the end of the day, it is about, I mean, it's a business, right? Uh-huh. So it is about pay. It is about revenue. It is about what people are able to bring in, right? So I'm kind of wondering how this, I mean, we've been talking about, you know, the office vibe versus you know, just in general. Right. So what about kind of like freelancers? And so like, for example, um, there's this thing that just happened with Kanye. He uh, kind of mouthed off to yeah. a to some paparazzi. And what, what, what do paparazzi do? How do they get paid? They go essentially kind of stalk mm-hmm. celebs, yeah. uh, take pictures, and sell them, right? right. Yeah. So his whole thing was that he wants to get a cut mm-hmm. of any picture that's getting that any paparazzi photographer takes yeah, yeah. of him, right? Mm-hmm. So how does that how does that affect? Yeah, legally, how does that work out? Like, is that yeah. is is legally that possible? Like, I, we were having this this conversation off camera the other day, like <laughs> about like I never thought about it from the photographer because you're a photographer. I was I never thought about it from the photographer perspective, and like I just automatically thought like he's right, like. If, like, you know, Khloe Kardashian, I think Ariana Grande, they posted pictures on their Instagram that were taken by a photographer, and they got, like, a cease and desist letter, or they got, like, a, you know, a legal letter or something like that, and they were, like, take down this picture, because it's, like, I took this picture for you. And my initial thinking is that, like, oh, like, this is my likeness, this is my face, like, no, yeah. nobody else is involved in this picture, at least on, like, from, like, you know, in the actual picture, like, why can I post a picture of myself? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I, I would think that I own this 100%. But then you go up to you, you you had said like you know there's a lot that goes on to like you know taking yeah. like this, this lighting it's like yeah. there's an act there are actual human beings that are behind these photo shoots and it's like you're just gonna post a picture on your Instagram with you have two hundred million three hundred million followers and it's gonna boost you in whatever way you're gonna make some money and and advertisers are gonna realize that you're profitable and you're gonna want to advertise on your social media because like you have these pictures that are taken by photographers that, like there is. That you should, like photographers should get a cut of this, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So 
I never thought about it from the perspective of that, like, there are people behind these pictures and they should get a cut. Like, just because it's like your likeness doesn't mean that you were 100% involved in, the, in capturing this image. Mm-hmm. Right. So I kind of want to talk about that in mm-hmm. sense, um, so yes, I went to school for photography mm-hmm. and so I don't know if, if you don't know, um, essentially you're able to take pictures in public of anyone at any time. That's basically your right. Really? That's basically your right. Yeah. As long as you know, you're not trying to commercialize it. And so that's where this kind of gray area comes in from paparazzi, that it is their job to take pictures of, you know, celebs. But, you know, they're selling it to whichever, you know, uh, media company wants to purchase it for the, for the most, right? Um, you have the rights of the image itself. Right. So... However you want to use that, you should be able to do that. But the minute I think you start trying to commercialize, you start selling it, I think that's when it starts leaking into, I'm not just taking a random picture of someone sitting on a bench in Central Park. I'm taking a picture of Kanye West coming out of, you know, Trump Tower in Central Park or Mm -hmm. something, you know? Like, I'm taking a picture of a brand and trying to sell it mm-hmm. to someone else. There's a financial incentive for you. Yes, there's a financial incentive for me, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of marketing off of someone else. Yeah. Um. So I don't know really. Yeah, that's the thing. How like, that works. I, th- I think it's a real, <laughs> th- I think I like maybe the the paparazzi to like actual studio photographer. I t- we set up this whole photo shoot. And you took pictures of me, and I posted it on my Instagram, and I made money off of it, and I didn't give you a cut. I think it's a little different, I guess, than paparazzi who would just show up outside of the airport or whatever. And it's like, I, I guess that's a little different, but well, it's, it's comparable. Cool. It's comparable. If it's cool, uh, I do want to play this uh, clip, um, this Kanye clip. It's uh-huh. only about like two minutes or so. We could kind of like get a sense of like what he's saying, and like I don't want to really take anything out of context mm-hmm. because. Uh, you shouldn't, <laughs> right? And uh, that's also this thing all the time. But here. A Reporting 
and they won't leave him alone, right? And he said, and he, he went up to them, and, and he went up to the paparazzi outside, and he said something to the effect of, hey, listen, you know, I understand you guys have a job to do, you do what you do, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here, I'm in sweats, we're just hanging here, can we have, take, take a couple pictures, I'll smile, I'll give you a thumbs up, but do you think you can, you can go after that? Yeah, and they were saying no, they were saying no, we can't, we can't go. And so like, there's, there's something wrong with that where you, you you know, if, if someone's, if you walk at the house right now and someone's following you, you call the police, <laughs> yeah. right? Celebrities can't do that because they're known. I don't yeah. get it. So that's the thing also is that, like, again, kind of like what you were saying. I mean, I don't know how paparazzi are paid. Yeah. Like, I don't know how much they're making. I don't know the exact, like, laws, policies that they're going through, whatever. I, I mean, I don't know the idea of it, but... Yeah. What I'm pretty sure is that it's, I know it, I know photography is a, you know, whether it's sports photography or anything, it's kind of whoever gets the first picture mm-hmm. and can get it to the, yeah. you know, if you could get it to the New York Times before yeah. whatever. It feels like you definitely you should, make it, you definitely should be making some type of money off your likeness. It's like, I, I don't know exactly how that would work, like, okay, the paparazzi sells it to this, to this company. Do you get like twenty percent from it? Mm-hmm. I mean, fifty percent from it. I don't know what the percentages would be, but like, I, I don't know. I feel like there'll be a big shift in like our laws. I'm not exactly sh- yeah. sure how the laws work. As it stands right now, mm-hmm. I would have a hard time seeing how the the person who's like Kanye, Kanye for example, I would see it, I would see it as being impossible for him to get a cut right now without also having the same when the image is posted, mm-hmm. right? So if he's getting a cut. That means he's actively participating in something. And if he's actively participating in something, he should probably have a say right. about whether or not it's, it's it's being posted. Right. And so like I think that's like that's like the catch twenty two. Mm-hmm. You know, so how how does he emphasize his right to a cut but not able to emphasize whether or not the picture is posted in the first place? I think that's the issue. It would cause this whole rerouting of what's legal, what's non paparazzi. Yeah. Yeah. I think we should move on to the next topic. Neil Young. So Neil Young. Alright. Alright. So I was kinda of surprised that you guys don't know who Neil Young is. I, yeah. I, I, I tried to find some of his music today. I look ironically I looked him up on Spotify. Music's not on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> so I couldn't I couldn't find his I probably could have checked him out on like YouTube music or Apple music or something, but yeah. I don't really know any of his music. I'm I don't know his face or anything like that, but um. Yeah, I mean that's the whole thing. It was uh, he was threatening or not threatening. He was telling Spotify, "You gotta take my stuff off of, take his entire collection off of do Spotify." Think, do you think he goes? Do you think he goes to, to his late? Because the thing is, like, it's like it's his music. It's not a hundred percent his music. The label has an investment in the music, they own some of that music. You think he went to his label and was like, I want my music off of Spotify, and the label was like, okay. Like, you think he has that much power? Because, like, I can imagine, like, somebody like Drake, right, or Kanye, mm-hmm. who, like, they don't, like, these guys don't own their 100% of their masters. If they were to deck their labels today and was like, I want my music taken off of, like, the streaming platform, Spotify or Apple Music, like, they wouldn't be able to get their music taken off those platforms because, like, the, 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 the labels wouldn't be able to make money also. It's not, it's not just, like, you, the... They want to just acquiesce hundred percent to whatever the label wants, so to to what the artist wants. So I'm I'm curious to like how the, probably none of us know the answer, but like how that work 
with him going to the label saying, I want my music taken off of the streaming platform. But well, real quick, is Neil Young on Apple Music? I, I think he's still... I think he's on, he's on Apple Music. He's, he's just, just yeah, gone. He's on Tidal. He's on Tidal. He's on Amazon <laughs> Music. He's on these other platforms. Yeah. I mean, first of all, he's seen I look he's at that. Like, <laughs> I think that he's going to... Wait, he's going to Spotify Ultimatum? I mean, he did. I mean, the, money, the amount of money that, like... If you just look at it from a financial perspective, the amount of money that Joe Rogan brings in for Spotify, comparison to New York, it would it would be like if AT and T fucked me over and I said, well, guess what? I'm not gonna be on your fucking. I'm you're gonna, not in my car anymore. I'm, I'm going, going to Metro. Yes. They were like, all right. I'm going to Boost Mobile. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's that's, a, that's right. to scale the comparisons. Joe Rogan, love him, love him, hate him, right? He is. Making a lot of money for Spotify right. and for himself, mm-hmm. and so Neil Young is probably getting. I mean, Neil Young in his day. Listen, I know who Neil Young is. I can name at least one of his songs. Right, right, right. right? But like, he's done. Like, he's not. You know, he, he's like. He's not relevant at this oh, point. Okay, yeah, okay, okay. So, so we. He's not generating enough money to have any kind of conversation. So, here. so we look at we look at it from a financial perspective. Is it okay? Spotify obviously chooses Joe Rogan. Obviously, I don't. I think he's financially 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 you choose Joe Rogan because he makes more money for you than Neil Young. But if you look at it from a larger, you know, maybe like a moral, yeah, moral humanitarian type of it kind of gets into, it kind of gets into that big tech sense. Should big tech step in and be like, we don't like what you're saying on our platform. We're gonna remove you. We're gonna remove you. What do you guys think about that? Like. If that's true, it's gonna change. It's in, first of all, I think it's impossible to to, to enforce that, mm-hmm. right? Because I mean, think about Reddit, like for example, like Reddit. How many how many communities are made? I mean, but Reddit has, Reddit has shut down big suburbs. Sure, big sure, sure, sure. And I think that they should. There's certainly subreddits that probably should be shut down. Mm-hmm. Um, but now you're getting into the nitty gritty, right? Because now you're getting into you're almost getting into opinion territory here. It's saying, well, I, I'm Neil Young. I don't like this person's opinion, and if you don't do anything about it, we can't associate anymore. You know what I mean? I, I, I see something wrong with that. I think Neil Young got messed up in his words. He could have easily said, listen, I, I disagree with Spotify and the way they run things, and I think that they should be doing something. And But he gave an ultimatum. It's him or me, and that's that's not... I, I mean, it's corny, it's immature. I think it's childish. Yeah. But is the idea behind what he's talking about, you know, valid? Um, because what he's talking about is the fact that he's stating that Joe Rogan's platform um, supports misinformation about specifically about COVID. Yeah. Right. Right. right? Um, I guess that's the real yeah. situation. Is his platform promoting that? Yes or no? And um, before I, anyone gives any answers, I think, you know, is Neil Young uh, seen now for bringing that up, or is he does he have a valid? Point? He's seen now for thinking he has he has a, he has something to barter. I don't think sure. he's seen now for his opinion. I, like I, I don't know if the man's legitimately seen now or not. Like, from, 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 from a medical perspective, I don't know. But I will say he's 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 pretty out of his mind to think that like. Spotify is going to choose him over Joe Rogan. Yeah. And honestly, in our current political climate, I wouldn't be surprised if, Young, if Spotify chose Neil Young over Joe Rogan. Just as 
you know, make just yeah. to, just to, just so cool to have to prevail, just to like, you know, project this like there being like this you know progressive platform or whatever. And like, I mean, getting back to like Joe, is Joe Rogan, pro, you know, promoting misinformation on this platform in terms of COVID nineteen? I think, I think he's had some suspect characters on some some doctors who are maybe a little bit more like, you know, anti vaccine, skeptical of like, you know, restrictions and mandates. Mm. Um, I don't think that's necessarily a bad... My personal thing is I don't think that's a bad thing. I think even if you have somebody who is 100% what they're saying is completely false, without a doubt, 100%, you can say right. objectively what this person is saying is not true, I think this person should be allowed to say what they want to say because I think it can get, we can get to a slippery slope where it's like... But it's like you thought what I was saying was wrong. Like your own personal opinion. Yeah. But like objectively what I'm saying is, is not wrong, but like because you and majority of people think what I'm saying is wrong, yeah. You got me you have me removed from this platform. And I don't I don't I think it can get to a slippery slope where it's like we're just removing people because people just don't like what you're saying. Um or people just disagree with you. It's like no, like people should be able to like wrestle with ideas and come to like conclusions on their own. We shouldn't filter things for people. We we shouldn't we like people are like we're adults. Yeah. Like we have to be able to wrestle with ideas and engage with different perspectives, mm-hmm. and come to our own conclusions. We can't just like nurse people forever. You know what I mean? Like I do think within the you know the confines of the Constitution and American society that private corporations do have a right to like have people on the platform and rule people like Donald Trump was removed on Twitter. But I do think in our culture, in American culture, we do have you know the the First Amendment does protect it protects you from the government. It protects you. You have free speech to say whatever you want. You can say, fuck Donald Trump, fuck the president, fuck Congress. You can talk shit about all politicians, the, the, you know, the administration, whatever. It protects you from the government taking action against you. It does not protect you from corporations and private entities taking action against you. If you say something that your job, if you say something on this podcast right now and your job doesn't like it, they can fire you. And that's well within the right. But, I'm t- morally, is that right? Is that something that we should be promoting? Is that something that we should be aiming for? It's like, I disagree with what you said. I don't like what you said. I don't want you to work for me anymore. Right. I, like, this, you, you were viral on Twitter. You, you were canceled on Twitter because you, you took your, you know, you took your dog to a, a dog park and you had, we had an interaction and I went viral on Twitter and people were upset about it. So now I'm going to fire you because it's bringing bad backlash on our company. Like, of course, the company has it's well within their rights to, to fire you sure. because it, it's bringing bad spotlight to them. But morally, is should that be promoted? Should mm-hmm. we be like should yeah, I think should should, should should big big tech be the arbiters of free speech? Should these people be able to like you know like I, I mean I don't know I, I I think that we should try to have I think we should like we should try to have as much free speech as possible. And people should be able to say whatever they want. And human beings, adults, even children, I think people should just be able to, like, navigate. We have to be able to sift through. We have to be able to engage with ideas that we don't agree with. We have to we have to interact with opinions that we don't necessarily like. I think as it pertains to this particular story, and then I'll branch out, mm-hmm. my personal view, people have said worse things than Joe Rogan. Mm-hmm. I personally think that Joe Rogan spends way too much time talking about the vaccine, right. the science behind 
Listen, the pseudoscience. The pseudoscience. Whatever, whatever you call I, it. Maybe he's right in some ways. Maybe he's not. I, I'm not a scientist. It's hard for me to determine me. But I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't want to hear Joe Rogan talking about mRNA and the effect that it has on you know the third you know the third DNA. I don't want to hear that from Joe Rogan. I don't think that's within his breath to say. I want to hear it from the. Scientist. I want to hear it yes. from the scientist. And and, and and it's like, I think that if he's educated on it. It's fine, but it, it personally, I, I'm taking I'm saying this from my perspective. I don't, I think he should be able to say it. I think it's well within his right to say it, and no one should tell him not to. But my question is, is that I don't know why he is like keep keeps going with it, keeps pushing and pushing and pushing, and he's and it's it's listen, you know, I know you had COVID, and I know you survived it. I get it. We we get it, Joe Rogan. We understand. Right, but like I just feel like it's 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 at this point he's trying to prove a point. In every podcast, he it's, it's he spends a lengthy amount of time talking about vaccine efficiency, its effect on the body, it's this, it's that, it's this. So I can see how someone who's really passionate about COVID can look at this and say, look at this, look at this jackass. He can't stop talking. About, what does he know? I can see it, and I can see someone who's even more passionate get really angry at it, right? But it's still within his right to say it. Yeah, that's that's what that's my fundament. That's the fundamental. I think it's well within his right, and I don't think platforms who have made money, like made millions and probably billions of dollars off of this man, yeah. YouTube, Spotify, like these guys have made a shitload of money off of this man, and now you guys, you know, potentially people want to step in and say like, okay, like this is where we're gonna step in. We're gonna be like, you can't, we don't want this. Is, this is where we draw the line at, and it's an arbitrary line. Because there are other people yeah. who are saying even wilder things on yeah. these platforms, mm-hmm. and it's like, can't why we can't have dialogue? I think there's value in dialogue. I think there's value in disagreement. There's value in discussion. And if, yeah. if we as human beings can't have disagreement anymore and have discuss, like where are we as where are we gonna go as a society yeah. where it's like we're gonna deplatform people because you disagree with them? Yeah. I so, think that's right. Oh. But yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say that, um, it, kind of going off that, it seems like it's more of a punishment for people in general, right? Um, sorry, go. That's well, yeah, I was just gonna say, I think that 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 this also can turn very easily into a don't don't throw the baby out of the bathwater situation, right? Because right, right. right? it's like Joe Rogan. I mean, love him again, love him, hate him. You have I I respect any opinion about Joe Rogan because I think there's things to love about him. I think there's things not to like about him. I think that he's a pretty, pretty well-rounded person. He's also added a lot, right? And I'm, you know, from someone who's, you know, I'm in the, you know, field of psychology, right? So there have been guests, you know, I can't even pop my head, but there have been guests where he, he, he provides a platform for correct information, and he also provides a platform for a lot of people to talk uh, who may, you know, he, he gave Bernie Sanders a platform, mm-hmm. right? To, I mean, to speak, you know, uninterrupted for an hour and 20 minutes or whatever it was. He add, like, there's things that he does that are positive, right? And I think that it's an it's 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 not only unfair, but it's a negative precedent to say, okay, for the amount of years that you've been doing this, you know, you've done all this good. You had good guests on. I mean, maybe he's had bad guests on or quote unquote bad guests on, right? But he's added a lot. He's gave a lot. Of, you think we would really know that much about Elon Musk's personality, or we would really know that much about? 
you know, who who are the other people that he's had on, right? Is he Kanye West personal? Literally everybody. You know, he's had he's given us a window into so much information. He's demystified the pub like the, the public figures right. in a way, right? You're not gonna hear like you know you know you know wrestling people, Bob Saget speak to people like just like. He's having a casual conversation like we're talking now with like people we look up to our whole life. He provides a window. I think it's a positive thing. Yeah. And and on certain in certain guests, add something more, spreading good information, spreading positive information. And to say all of that is discounted and you're removed from the platform because of this one topic where maybe arguably you're not you're not doing what you should. Keyword should do. But even if you're a hundred percent wrong, right? I don't. I just don't think it's morally the right thing to do. And I think it's set, like you said, it sets a terrible precedent for like. Yeah. Okay. Personally, I think a lot of big tech leans to the left. They, they're liberal, and if you have these people who all have the same ideological underpinning, and they have control over like what we what we the ideas we engage with the people that we like. We engage with the, the the talking heads. It's like we're all going to be skewed to think a certain way. We're all going to be like we have to have a well we have to have a, a well rounded you know you know views and, and people that are talking about different things. I don't I don't think it's it's beneficial for society to just like like okay we disagree like okay like I think the whole big thing is that like he has a platform. That's the whole like people talk about he has a platform. He has, he has 12 million listeners, yeah. whatever the amount of listeners a week or each, like, it's like, okay, yeah. that, these are listeners that, that are tuning in for, because he's built this up himself, yeah. and there's some value there for them, yeah. and they think whatever they think for whatever reason, they, like, you're not going to change these people's minds, because, even if they do think the wrong thing, you're not going to change these people's minds, because you, you don't have, you know, Dr. Peter McCullough on talking about yeah you know, vaccine effect, efficacy and, 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 yes. and my, the, the effect of my, you know, the, the potential myocarditis on young men from the COVID-19 vaccine. <laughs> like, you're not going to have, you're not going to change these people's opinion. Like, if they were going to, if they were going to be radicalized, they were going to be radicalized regardless. Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan isn't radicalizing people yeah. to be outright. He's not proving, he's not changing anyone's mind. Yeah. You know. They were already going to be on that, they were going to be, be on, on that trajectory regardless. Like, they, yeah. Well, I think do you think, sorry, real quick, uh, do you think about it as kind of like a gateway drug to that? It's, where it's, it's, makes... it's, 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 it's so ironic, my bad, to no, no, because it's like, it, it's, it's a lot of people who will, these are the type of people that will say like, marijuana isn't a gateway drug to cocaine and all these other worse drugs, but they will be like, Joe Rogan is a gateway drug to that, all right. He'll, 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 he'll lead you to like, Miley Yiannopoulos and these other, you know, other terrible people like, you know, Alex Jones, like, you, like, he, like, it's like, you're okay with people making smart decisions when it comes to drugs, mind-altering drugs, but when it comes to ideas, abstract ideas, <laughs> things that you can't tangibly get a hold of, it's like, then, no, you, you, like, we, we have to, we have to, um, you know, restrict these things for you because they can they can transform young minds and they can't fully digest this. But when it comes to drugs, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, go 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 for it, just, just go for it. You know, I would have liked. I thought I still wouldn't have agreed with it. But if, if Neil Young would have said something more along the line, and this gets into a subject that I'm pretty passionate about actually, because if Neil Young would have said, listen, I want Spotify to go through his episodes and I want them to flag. Mm-hmm. Each 
specific episode that, that is provenly false mm-hmm. regarding, regarding this topic. Right. And say, listen, these episodes contain misinformation that have been provably wrong. Mm-hmm. I don't know how, I, I, I think I would be relatively okay with that. Because mm-hmm. I think it's fair. Because at the end of the day, COVID, listen, COVID is COVID, differing opinions, it afflicts some people very seriously. And I think it is to be taken seriously. I think people need to be vaccinated for the most part, if not all part, unless it's going to cause you some harm or some comorbid thing. But I think that this just becomes, again, you know, people are more complex than one or two opinions, mm-hmm. right? If you boil Joe Rogan down or anyone who speaks like this to, to just their opinion on this matter, mm-hmm. it's just the society will, like, I don't want to use it, it sounds cringe, but it'll just implode, right? Because, I mean, you can pinpoint negative qualities in just about anybody. If you, see, if, if, if I boil someone down to just one thing that they believe or think, and I make this grand assumption about them, because think about what he said, right? Think about what Neil Young said. He says, I want Joe Rogan off the platform. I don't want his ideas off the platform. I don't want this specific aspect of him off the platform. I want Joe Rogan in total off the platform. So you're boiling down the entirety of this man and all that he said and done and all the whatever he's done. You know, he's seen. Like, I mean, he's done things on a grander scale. What has he done for podcasts? Mm. Right? He has popularized podcasts and put them into the mainstream, pretty yeah. much. Right? I mean, he's. He's huge in the podcast. He, he's yeah. he's he's you know? created a hard thing for independent yeah. people, people who yeah. just want to are not attached to mainstream media or all these big institutions. Yeah. Like you can get you can you know you can just upload stuff to YouTube or whatever. He's a window. He, he's yeah. a window. And so we're so we're gonna so what we're gonna do now, right? Is Neil Young wants us to extract all of the benefits that Joe Rogan has. We're gonna take all the benefits. Yes. Oh, thank you for making podcasts popular. Thank you for you know, all the information you provided us. Thank mm. you for all the funny times. But you think this? You're canceled. You're done. I don't. I, you're done. You're finished. Mm-hmm. Right? I think that's unfair. Yeah. I also think it's scary as hell for anybody because with that logic, anyone will be canceled at some point, right? Yeah. I, I think that's. I think that's like anti to our culture. It's like we have to have. We have to be able to engage, and that's something that I'm working on myself. Like we have to engage, be able to engage with people that we disagree with, similarly. And it's like you can be like, okay, like we fundamentally disagree. I don't want to like. I, we just fundamentally fundamentally we disagree, I don't want to have you in my life, I don't want, I don't think we can, we're not compatible as friends or family or whatever, but I do think there is like, a, a there is a lot of gray area where it's like, we can disagree and we can still operate with each other, we can still, you know, be together, we can still be friends, we can still be partners, we can still like, you know, I think, I think we're losing that, we've become so polarized in this country where it's like, you have to agree with me on 99% of things, and if you don't, you're out of my life, and it's just like, that's that's just like it's, it's a terrible thing. Yeah. That's just not that's that's not human tradition. Like yeah. you go back twenty years ago, that's that's reality. It just becomes a circle jerk. There's yeah. no other way to put it. It's yeah. just like I, to be honest, like it's this like kind of boring. You have ten people in a room who will think the same. It's just like, hey, you're right, you're right. I like what you said. You're right. Yeah. It's just like you want to be challenged. It's just a constant agree. It's a constant agree model. It's like word, 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 word. Well, isn't that like, isn't that the thing is that like. People are scared to disagree currently, right? Yeah. Isn't that kind of like you'll be ostr- you'll be socially ostracized. You'll be fired from your job. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. You were just bringing that up about earlier is that if you have literally any public video media just out, you know, it's public, mm-hmm. anyone can see it. If your employer looks at it, looks into it, and decides that they don't like it. You know, yeah. Or, or not that they don't like it. That it's a 
detriment to their image. No. Yeah, this is gone. Like, you know, like, it's very clipped for you, for the most part, right? Yeah. Um, kind of going off of that, like, I think with Joe's platform, I think, um, I, I think the idea of maybe taking the big misinformation episodes out, I think there's a certain thing, because we're still going back to the idea of private company censoring. Right. That's the overall idea. It's a private company set deciding to do this, take this action. I think it's very well in their right to take off. You know, Spotify's very it's very well in Spotify's right to 100%. take off whatever content on their platform at any point. I think that's right. their right as a private business. Yeah. Um but ethically does it make sense? Is it fair? Is it fair? You know, mm-hmm. who knows? Um, I think with the misinformation, when there's something that's, when there's specific like lies being mm-hmm. spoken, maybe there's a conversation. If it's we're talking about like kind of like more subjective opinions. Yeah. Um, I mean, opinions is exactly that. Yeah. It's, 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 there's, there's no facts yeah. behind it necessarily. And, that, and that's the thing we just like. The whole COVID and different design, different data points and all the studies, like, we're only like two and a half like, years into it. Like, we don't have that much data points. We don't, things are changing over time. Like, you know, today it's mask or good. Tomorrow, no. you know, maybe, 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 Fauci, you know, maybe Fauci Twitter as much. Like, I do think there is 
there are repercussions that these companies will face from censoring people from their platform. It's like, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I do think something new will pop up. These things are here to stay forever. Twitter, and 20 years from now, there will be something new. Tick, yeah. Could you even fathom TikTok two, three years ago? Could you even did you could you even conceptualize yeah. a TikTok? You no, could. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, you, you could in a sense. I mean, we had Vine for like. I mean, we had Vine three months. But I'm, but I'm, <laughs> no, but I'm saying that like this Vine, this platform Vine. that has just, just, yeah. like revolutionized. Like, you don't know what's going to be next. Yeah. yeah. True. And, yeah. If, and technology if, advances. Yeah. And if, if we if we don't find any if we don't find any utility to it, it will be gone. Yeah. I I think it also comes down to you know should. Should these companies and big tech and all that and these platforms, I mean, should they really have to take a political stance, mm-hmm. right? Should they be put into that sphere? You know, what if what if Spotify just doesn't want to take a political stance? Mm-hmm. You know, because doing obliging Neil Young, who brings in less money than Joe Rogan, is taking a political stance, mm-hmm. right, or an, an ideological stance at least. And I think that companies, for the most part, and big tech and you know these. These, these platforms are entitled to to play the fifth. I mean, I think that's what they're right. Maybe they just don't, they don't want to they don't want to talk about this. They want to distribute music. Mm-hmm. YouTube wants to distribute videos, right? And I think that some companies have chosen to take a political stance and say, hey, if you say this, you're off the platform. I mean, there's, there's things you can you, you shouldn't say, you can't say because it'd be erased. Sure. Um, but in terms of this, I mean, with, it's like where do you draw the lines? Like, listen, Joe, is this his opinion, right? And so I don't know. It's hard mm-hmm. to say. Yeah, I mean, kind of going straight going off of that, like Coinbase as a company, they uh, decided like fairly recently, with the past couple months, uh, no political views in the office. That's Essentially, right. they just cut that out. If you don't like it, it's okay. No, that's fine. But after this date, uh, there's not going to be any discussion. It's only going to be about the company. It's only going to be about Coinbase. It's only going to be about that. Right. And there was a lot of backlash with it. Um, was it right? Was it not? Who knows? You know. Um, but all we can see is the results. And the kind of booming. Mm-hmm. The productivity went up. There haven't been any complaints in the and they office were getting, and they were getting like, a lot of employees that wanted to leave. They were giving them large separate. Oh packages. yeah, no, no, no. But they weren't like leaving them out in the cold to right. fucking mm-hmm. wither. Mm-hmm. They were getting nice packages uh, mm-hmm. to you know to take their political views elsewhere, right. essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm of thoughts of uh, the political views may depend maybe not, depending on the company should just not be you know really discussed or like in the forefront I, I, I think it, importantly it's like it, it's within their right in my opinion yeah. it's like if you ask me right now who I voted for and if I say I don't want to tell you like that that's what, within my right. right like I don't have to tell you that who you and I think who that, you vote for me don't worry about it <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think it's within their right you know I think it's listen and, and I think no one is forcing Coinbase employees to work there mm-hmm. Right? It's like, you know, if you want to talk about politics in the office, then you're in the wrong office. Like, this is just Coinbase's decision. Mm-hmm. You know, right or wrong, I mean, you know, sometimes we think that we, people are being, you know, tied to working in this environment. I mean, if you work at Coinbase, odds are you can work at Twitter or some of those things, right? Um, is it essential to the, the work that you're doing? Yeah. Coinbase, you work at a 
It's not in your job description. Yeah, it's that's not. For sure. don't have, I don't. Politics you know. aren't involved at all. Yeah. Exactly. Politics is the breeding ground for controversy, in my right. opinion, especially in this kind of in this kind of setting, right? And jobs like they don't like in, in companies they don't need that. They don't want that for the most part. Some do, right? Uh, I actually think that if there's one platform that does that moderation thing pretty well, in my opinion, I think it's Instagram. I think Instagram does a pretty pretty good job, right? Because I, I don't I don't really mind it when it's when they say. Uh, this post contains misinformation, or this has been proven wrong. I think that's not that not not horrible, mm-hmm. right? I think it's there are some people who will believe anything. You know, we're gonna believe that you know there's a there's a magical deer from Mars that's landed. <laughs> but they should be able to believe that. I think I I I think I just fundamentally I just think the worst thing is people should be able to believe that. Yeah. And I think we can get to a real bad place in society if we start to arbitrate what people. Like, like, no, you can't believe that. Like, we right. start to control. I mean, it's just like, I just, I just think we can get to a real slippery slope, and I just want people to be able to just, and be able to enter. I just want to be able to believe in human beings, mm-hmm. and people, and believe in people's intellectual capacity, and just like you should be able to engage with ideas and ultimately come to your own conclusion. Like, yeah. whether I agree with them or not, I want to be able to, I want to be able to like engage with you and just be like, be able to, you can wrestle with these ideas yourself, and like. If you believe something I, I inherently disagree with, I just won't. I just won't. And I just won't interact with you. Right. So, what do you think about the idea of never having, never riding the subway without a mask anymore? Um, you know, we're talking about of, political things. <laughs> talk about political things. Talk about COVID. You know, it gets brought up. You know, COVID ain't done. But uh, there's something wanna everyone to listen to real quick. To the post mask court. Because I think there's a prudence we've learned with the mask, the hand uh, hand sanitizing that, kind of like 9 11 with flying, is always going to be here now. There's a new normal. In the beginning, when at post 9 11, people didn't want to fly, and the security measures felt like, uh, how do we do this? You know? And now it's the norm. I think some of the things we've learned in this pandemic are going to stay the same. I may never ride a subway again without a mask. I may never go indoors, but big crowds never feel comfortable without a mask. And that's up to me to do that. Absolutely insane. Absolutely (laughs) insane. Illogical to science. Completely ideological. It's 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 sickening that there are people like this on the view, a a humongous platform that are pushing ideas like this, and that are just it's just like like think about what she's saying in comparison to what Joe Rogan is like saying on his platform, and it's like. There are people that are consuming this and thinking, oh my god, like there are people still Lysol and down their packages. Remember when people were doing that? Like I had coworkers I mean, he had just Lysol, I just Clorox wiped out all my packages. This is like March 20, 2020, April 2020, at the height of the pandemic, at the beginning of COVID, and people just like wiping out. Like, and to me of all of thinking, like, okay, like the virus doesn't live on out on surfaces and you won't get it from like things like that. This is like there are people like there who are still pushing ideas. It's like you're gonna go to concerts, you're gonna go to bars with a mask on. With an N95 on? The funniest thing I'd be seeing on the train going home, going wherever, the uh, people using a paper towel to hold on to whatever railing that's there and then ignoring the fact that there's someone shoulder to shoulder right next to them. It's the fucking... Coming home after after 6 p.m. on the E or the F? It's the mask... We're shoulder to shoulder. It's the mask face shield combo for me, bro. (laughs) That's what it is for me. 
You see people on the train with goggles. You're gonna catch COVID through your eyes, through your pupils. You're gonna get right. it right through your eyes. You got goggles on. You got the, the face thing. Listen, listen, listen. I think, I think we talked about this a little bit before. I think that there are certain things. See, you can again, baby out in the bathwater, right? I think that expression holds true somewhere here. Can't tell you where exactly. <laughs> a little bit drunk, but somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> right? And it's like there's okay, some validity to what she's saying. We right? okay, yeah. we went from as a society, never wearing a mask, exactly. regardless of sick, not sick, mm-hmm. this, that. Look at a country like Japan, right? What they do is, if they're sick, if they have cold. If they were a flu, very, they're very, you know, respect of others over there in Japan, which I think is great. I think we could take that going forward, right? If there was something that said, listen, you know, if you're sick, COVID, flu, wear a mask. <laughs> respect other people. I don't know if it should be mandatory, but I think that should, could be something that was thick. That would be more understandable to me. You know, I don't know why I always, you know, one or the other, right? It's, it, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, things aren't binary. Like, we don't have to... We don't have to live in these like one of the like you know one option or the other reality. It's like I just don't understand like for for people like her, it's like we don't have to get like she's not she's we not she doesn't want to get to a point where it's like we can like not wear a mask anymore. We can like get to like regular society. It's like okay, we get to a point where COVID is no more no longer reality. Everybody's nine times vaccinated, and she still wants to wear a mask. <laughs> It's like, I don't understand. Like, I don't understand where, what the thinking is. It's like, she's like saying, like, she, when she's in big, what's the point of being in a big crowd if you're wearing a mask? If you don't have to, like, why would I ever go to a concert when I have to, I'm not going to a concert, I'm not going to a bar where I'm having a mask on forever. I'm not hanging out with friends where I'm having a fucking mask on my mouth and my nose. It's, it's absolutely insane. It's absolutely ridiculous. I think it's an, I absolutely think it's absolutely, like, just illogical to the science that we've been shown. And I just think it's so baseless too. It's like you can't you can't go from where we are today thinking that this is going to be going on forty years from now. You know, this is not enough information. Like, like a, a study came out like in the New York Times where it's like, you know, people three three quarters of the people in the United States who have died from COVID are sixty five and up, and they have comorbidities. Mm-hmm. But they did this poll, this really interesting poll, um, and they were polling to see the types of people that were more afraid of COVID and who were taking more precautions, and it's younger people, people through the age of 18 to 24, right. and it's, it doesn't make sense, it's like, people from the age of like 65 and up, they were the people that didn't care that much about COVID, they were less worried about catching the virus and potentially dying from the virus, it's, it's younger people who are, even without the vaccine, there's such a small chance that you would actually die from COVID. And it's like, my thing is that, like, okay, like, we've reached a point in Americans, we've reached a point in in society where it's like, the vaccine is available to everybody. Yeah. If you haven't got the vaccine at this point, it's because you don't want to get the vaccine. I don't want to hear you, there's some obstacles, there, there's no obstacles in a way. You, If you want to get the vaccine, Lyft and Uber were paying people, Yeah. To, they were paying for your Uber. Two and back. To get the vaccine. I don't want to hear anything about, like, it. it you just obstacles. If you want to get the vaccine, you could, you could have got the vaccine. So my thinking is that like we have to get to a point where it's just like we're living with it. And Omicron, enough data has come out. We've lived with it long enough. It's it's less deadly, more contagious. 
people have built up immunity, people are boosted, maybe we're gonna need a fourth boost or whatever. It's like we've well, reached a point in society where we have to get there there are there are trade offs. There are there are there are th- like the restrictions and mandates, mental health is down, suicides are, are up, violent crime is up, children are not socializing, test scores are down. It's like we have to get to a point in society where it's like we have to realize that like, okay, COVID is a serious thing and people are just, I don't want to trivialize deaths of people, of human beings. People are losing parents, people are losing grandparents. I don't want to trivialize the deaths of people, but at the same time, it's like other people are suffering as well from the restrictions, from the mandates. People, people are committing suicide. People are, people are struggling with depression and social anxiety and... What about these? What about these people? Like we don't care about them. Well, I mean, we, we, at the end of the day, we've never really cared about mental health as a society, as an American society, really. I mean, yeah. it, mental health has only really been a discussion in what the past five years at most. I mm-hmm. mean, like, like a significant discussion. I mean, and even then, it's like not that much. And you, as a therapist, you could. Probably speak more about that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I worked as a drug counselor, you know, very closely with drug addicted people, right? That speaks for itself. And, you know, I remember when this first starting, there was so much panic, right? Mm-hmm. You know, what are we going to do? Right? All the things that we do to stay sober are closing. You know, we're just going to be trapped in our house. And listen, from, from a person who is, from the perspective of someone who's addicted to drugs, boredom is one of the worst things. Right? It's, it's what we're trained to tell people and to, to help people manage is boredom. What do you do with your free time? What do you do when you know there's no one around? Right? People who are addicted to drugs, that's what they do. Right? A lot of, you know, kids, right? A lot of kids nowadays, you know, they're, they're growing up in an online world. Right? They're so used to, the, you know, that human, that, that not, not having that human interaction, they're comfortable with it. Um, you know? Clawing us? Clawing us real quick, boys. Very comfortable with it. And again, not to trivialize human death, but there's other, this is a bigger conversation. And I think it's also stems from the fact that what's what's worse, right? And I, I didn't come up with this, I, I read this somewhere, but it really resonated with me. What's worse, testing positive or being positive? What's worse, right? Because if you want to look, if you want to judge the severity of what's going on right now based on positive tests, right, this thing is fucking out of control, right? Yeah. But that's not we. We have to look at the individual. We have to look at the individual person, right? And it's people aren't. I mean, people are dying, right? But not everyone gets COVID dots, right? It's a small percentage of them. And so I think everyone should be vaccinated. I think that one thing that we do know for sure about the vaccinations is that you are much less likely to, to have serious side effects or symptoms if you get COVID. Definitely. We know that for sure. That's why, logically speaking, should everyone. Everyone be vaccinated. You should get vaccinated. Yes. 100%. You should be yes, vaccinated. Yes, yes, yes. Unless there's some crazy circumstance that I can't even think of. Uh-huh. Every person who has the vaccine available to them should be vaccinated, right? But at the same time, I think that we need to stop dividing people who are not vaccinated as waking up choosing evil. But right? you're malicious. You're a bad person. Right? The, the, the question that nobody who is pushing this narrative that, like, there is still the, the the question that nobody has been able to answer for me is if you are vaccinated, 
Why do you care about what the unvaccinated is doing? Play devil's advocate. Why? Like, why Why do you care if people would unvaccinate? If you're protect, if the vaccine gives you so much protection from the virus that we need to get it three times, potentially four times, why do you care about so much about what somebody is unvaccinated is doing? I feel like, if anything, if I was going to come up with a reasoning for that, an answer for that, right. it's, to me, what comes to mind is that it's a public issue. We're not talking about an individual, I'm not, I'm not suffering from, you know, diabetes, diabetes isn't contagious, mm-hmm. you know, if you suffer from diabetes, it's you, mm-hmm. you know, you don't pass it on to anyone else, you know, maybe genetically, but you're dealing with diabetes yourself. This isn't that type of case. This is something where, in regards to Omicron, jumps to people mm-hmm. from fucking pa- looking them in the eye, right. you know, type shit. Like, it's, it's super quick. Uh-huh. So, having that public, um, that public view is something that I feel like could be argued that since it's so public, you need to kind of look at it from that. You got to look at it, uh, you know, what's best for society right now. But you know? the, the thing is, like, if you're protected from the virus, you are playing into public health and you are, you're not spreading the virus to other people and you're protected from people who are not vaccinated. So it's like, why, why are you advocating so much for people to get vaccinated if, if so, then you're kind of saying that the vaccine isn't as safe as it, as it is. Mm. Like, why, why do you want to get vaccinated so much? Because it gives you protection. But at the same time, it's like, you care so much about people who aren't vaccinated. But it's like, I thought it gave you protection. Why, do you, why does it matter that much? Well, I, I feel like it's a thing where, yes, I'm, vaccin- I'm vaccinated. And I feel good because I'm vaccinated. Right. You know, it's supposed to protect me. And again, looking at it from like a public view, I guess. I would want you to be vaccinated because it protects you mm-hmm. and then also protects me yeah. as well. Because, you know, again, it's not something where it's like, hey, like I'm, you know, vaccinating myself from fucking uh, diabetes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm vaccinating myself and I'm hoping that and I'm looking at it from the, the idea that. I would like you to do that as well because it creates more protection in general to everyone. Right. At least, it, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to play some type of devil's advocate and look at it from like that. Uh, if, I'm um, like, yeah, if I'm playing devil's advocate, well, what, what, I mean, I'm, I don't know if I'm thinking that's correctly. No. Uh, but I think that, see, I don't want to get, I don't like any conspiratorial here, mm-hmm. but I think that longer than the public has known that the vaccines don't necessarily guarantee you won't get COVID. Okay, at this point, let's be realistic, right? The vaccines, the word vaccine has changed definition. No one wants to talk about it, right? Previously, a vaccine was, uh, I think so. previously a vaccine and it has been, you take this, you won't get sick, right? The, the definition of what a vaccine has not changed, mm. right? Or at least society, in terms of society, how it's a vaccine, right? Now we're saying if you get a vaccine, you're less likely to get really sick, right? And I think there's a big distinction there. But I think that thinking about this, 
the idea is that if I'm vaccinated and you're not, I can be a carrier for what would be a very detrimental virus for you, right? But I think in a way, it's like it's bordering. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like in a way, it's bordering kind of selfish thinking. But at the same time, it's the question is why you didn't get vaccinated, right? Mm -hmm. And talking about why people are not getting vaccinated, one thing that really bothers me is this this narrative that people who don't get vaccinated are evil. They're thoughtless. They don't care. They don't care about the people. They, they don't care about that. I think that's bullshit. We have no empathy for white people get vaccinated, right? Mm-hmm. You think people choose to, you know, Not to, believe, to believe in something, to believe in something that's yeah. false? There are people who believe all kinds of crazy stuff in this world. It doesn't make them bad, right? And so for a person who is whatever environment or genetics they have to be raised in a place where they have come to the conclusion that the vaccination is bad for them, or whatever, you know, I don't think yelling at them that they're evil people is doing anything. I don't think that's helpful at all. Um, I don't even remember what we were talking about. What's the, what was the question you asked me? No, I was, I was saying play that was advocate. Oh, play that was advocate. I mean, yeah. I get it. I think, overall, I think less people would get COVID, but I, th- I think it's it's proven now that people who are vaccinated, I mean, like, this Omicron shit. I mean, the amount of people that I know are vaccinated, I mean... Most people I know are vaccinated, and, and if I alone know five or six people who are vaccinated who have gotten Omicron, that's a small sample size for five or six people I know to have gotten it. Yeah. I think the thing is also kind of, um, you got, at least as of right now, maybe compare the people that you know that have been vaccinated that got Omicron and then versus the people that are unvaccinated and got Omicron, like how, what are the effects? Because we're talking about a variant that, you know, basically, uh, you know, lots of scientists are saying, is have stated rather, that the symptoms are not that crazy, the mortality rates not, you know, extremely high, or sorry, extremely low. Yeah. Um, and it's really just, at the end, they nothing worse than a cold, for the most part. Mm-hmm. But there are people that um, have that are unvaccinated and have been getting crazy like symptoms. It's just been hitting them worse. Right. It's been hitting them worse for the most part. Um, and again, it's all just. I think the biggest problem about this whole virus is the fact that. It's just so individualized. Mm. You know, your symptoms may not be the same symptoms that I re- I get. You know, the way you feel is it, crazy, and that's the whole thing is just that's kind of like what's that's throwing it off, and then also just kind of like the um, just the discussion about what our medical and health organizations have been stating about it has just kind of been jumping all over the place. Yes, it's, 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 it's been so much. It has not been standardized and has changed many a time since day one. Right. And of course, you know, things are obviously going to change because we gain more knowledge as time goes by. Right. Like, that's just a given. That's science. And, and if you don't realize that, then you're not critically thinking. Um, 
But yes, that is science, and it's just that's just how it works. All right, well, thank you for tuning in to the first episode of What's Going On in the Zeitgeist. I know you said you wanted to say something before it ended. Wow, right? <laughs> <laughs> you said you wanted to say something. You had this big thing planned out to say to, to the, to the, to the audience. Quap, give us the monologue that you're yeah. preparing. You have been rehearsing a monologue for the best two right, 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 right. Let me Let me get to it.